Welcome to the Breakwater Podcast. On this episode, I am joined by Jamie Lanus, the leader of the Daybreak Project, and Jean. Jean is the mother of someone who struggles with substance use. She shares her story and how finding the Daybreak Project helped her family. We know that substance use and addiction are not individual problems. They are community issues. When you love someone who struggles with substance use, it can be hard to find resources for yourself and your family. That is why we wanted to do this podcast. The Daybreak Project is a resource for friends and family. With shared experience as the primary teacher, they offer support and a safe place to share thoughts, ideas, and struggles. Be sure to check the show notes for more information about the Daybreak Project. You can also find more about the Daybreak Project in the Friends and Family tab on our resources page at www.breakwaterwi.org. Jamie and Jean are up next. being here today, Jamie and Jean. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi, Sam. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. I'm glad that I can be here. Would you each mind sharing a little bit about who you are? Jamie, let's start with you. Hi, uh, I am uh, retired, or I should say semi-retired, I guess, after 40 years uh, working in the nonprofit sector for the in the Fox Valley, uh, working with mental health and substance abuse. And um, I, I operated a treatment center in Appleton. I worked for a manufacturing place that only hired recovering alcoholics and drug addicts. And in my um, retirement, I do some coaching, executive coaching, and uh, I do uh, our Daybreak project. Awesome. And we're going to learn a lot more about the Daybreak Project and everything you're doing with that um, a little bit deeper into the podcast. So thank you for being here today. Thanks. And Jean, can you share a little bit about who you are? Sure, sure. Um, Well, my name is Jean um, and I am a wife as well as a mom. And I'm also a stepmother, a stepmom to um, combined seven adult children uh, between the ages of 24 and 31. Um, So my husband and I, um, as well as two of our daughters, we came to Daybreak probably about two years ago now um, because of how our family was affected by one of our sons and his chemical use. Um, So a little bit about our background. About three years ago, my husband and I came together in our second marriage for each of us. Um, We'd been, we'd known each other, oh, for many, many years, a long time. But after his divorce and then um, the death of my first husband, we became friends at church through some shared leadership that we had been doing with our kids and their activities. So um, when we began dating, I'd been working in the counseling field, primarily with youth, and um, I'd been aware of the struggles of one of his sons, um, the struggles that he'd been having um, primarily with marijuana and alcohol, but it wasn't something that my husband talked very much about when we were dating. 
So I began to understand and see more of the effects of our son's use after my husband and I were married. Um, and that was about three years ago. Again, thank you for being here today and being willing to share your story. I think storytelling and sharing is so important because it well, one, it's one way that you can be an advocate. And we have so much to learn from other people and their experiences if only we take the time to sit and listen. So I really, really appreciate you being here today. And Jamie, you too, to share more about the Daybreak Project and how that can really help families or friends of people who are struggling with substance use. So maybe we could start by learning more about the Daybreak Project. Jamie, could you share a little bit about what it is and how it got started? Daybreak Project actually started th- three years ago over a cup of coffee at somebody's house in their kitchen. Uh, I, when I was still working, uh, I received a call from a friend whose brother had been picked up for his fourth OWI. And uh, he was incarcerated and the family was beside themselves. They did not know what to do. And uh, she knew of the work that I was doing and asked if I would find some time to come over and, and, and just talk. So I went over to their house and I met with her and her husband and we sat down for almost two hours and uh, talked about the immediate needs. Like he was in jail. So how do they access the jail system, how can they help him while he's sitting in jail waiting for his next thing uh, as it related to his charges. Uh, but more importantly, we had a discussion about how the family has, um, with all best intentions, really helped the brother stay stuck uh, and identified some enabling uh, behaviors that the family was doing. And then we also talked about strategies about how we could use this circumstance and consequence of his drunk driving as a leverage point to help him see that he needed to um, get some help. And uh, every uh, alcoholic and addict who who gets to that point of needing help uh, has a moment of clarity. And oftentimes it's the family that helps identify that moment of clarity. And it's also the family that sometimes keeps individuals from seeing that moment of clarity. So there's a myth about an alcoholic and addict needs to hit rock bottom before they can get help. And really the next question should be, well, then how can we as a family raise that bottom so that we can help somebody get help much sooner so that they can get their moment of clarity? And so Daybreak sets about to create a very, very safe space for people to uh, talk about what's going on in their families and then identify ways in which they're helping folks stay stuck and then identify ways in which they can help change some of their behaviors, which will in fact have an impact on the alcoholic or drug addict. And uh, um, we, and, and let me back up a second. The reason that Daybreak got started is, so I helped this family with their brother and this, and, and this family, this husband and wife, very well known in the community, very, very well known. And they recognize that there are tons of families that have the similar situation and they have no place to go to talk about this. And uh, it's not stuff you talk about at a cocktail party. Uh, When you're standing around before dinner uh, talking about how well your son or daughter is doing, um, families that are struggling and suffering, they're not talking about that it doesn't fit the conversation so 
they asked me if I'd be willing to join with them and help start Daybreak Project to provide this opportunity for other families that they were afforded just by sitting down and having a cup of coffee. And uh, so that's what we try to do. That's really cool. So it started as, you know, friends helping friends over a cup of coffee and has really turned into this community coffee table or community kitchen table where people can come together and help each other without fear of judgment, with the understanding of shared experience and struggle. Yeah, and it, and, and it's interesting. Uh, we've been at the, our first Daybreak meeting was April 24th, uh, 2018. Uh, so we've been doing this for a while. And uh, what's interesting is the, the group gets tight. They get close. And we meet once a month. And people are so eager to catch up and see what's been different in the last month. Oftentimes we'll finish our, our gatherings with some action steps that somebody is wanting to take. And it's, it's very cool to see people wanting to hear how their cohorts uh, manage those situations uh, from the last gathering. Uh, so it's, it's, it's fun, it's nice. You know, we meet for two hours and oftentimes I have to cut it off. Uh, because we would go for four hours. I, I believe that. Jean, I, I don't know if you would agree with that. but Yes, I definitely would agree with that. Yes, yes. Yep, it, it's, a, it's a place where you just feel such um, trust and such safety. And uh, everybody who's there is, is all dealing with the same stuff and is dealing with the same things. And um, the relief that you feel as a family being able to... Um, talk with others um, and the, the way that you don't feel alone anymore. Um, it just, it, it just takes what's overwhelming and, and makes it more um, understandable and, and workable. Yeah. You know, we hear that a lot from parents, siblings, spouses of people who struggle with, with substance use is that when they realize that this is happening, they want so badly to help, but they don't know where to look they don't have anyone to go to. They feel like they can't ask their friends or their, you know, those in their little personal bubble or community because people won't understand or they will be judged and nobody wants to feel judged or feel like a bad parent or be told that they've done something wrong. Right. So it's so cool to me that this exists in the community that you guys are building this thing that kind of strips all of that stigma and judgment and shame away and just says, you know what? come sit down with us. Let's talk about it. Let's see where we can go from here together. Like, let me help you get there. And there's so much power in that. When we first joined, um, we, we put together what's called our vision statement. And it really captures, I think, what uh, Daybreak is about. And uh, I'd like to share that. Uh, and, it, and it's simply a gathering of people whose lives have been affected by someone's use and misuse of substances. We gather together to share our experiences, our struggles, and our successes as we navigate the many challenges we face as a result of another substance use. And that really just kind of sets the tone uh, of what we're about there. And Jean, Jean uh, emphasizes safe space, but she also emphasized the trust and the confidentiality. That's a huge piece. Uh, because we families are airing what's called dirty laundry, right? Okay. And uh, it's hard to do if you think it's going to be published somewhere. 
uh, verbally or any other way. Uh, so that's that's really um, an important piece. And I think new members uh, capture really, really quick the depth of love, uh, the depth and level of sharing that's going on. And they and they can sense and feel that safe space and uh, are relieved that there is a place where they can do that and judgment free for sure. And um, when we we actually giggle at some of the uh, enabling things that we've committed, we weren't going to do. And then a situation will arise and 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 they'll tell on themselves. And it's cute because they recognize the value in it, but they also know that it's judge free. And so they'll they'll tell on themselves and say, I know I gave them the 20 bucks. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, it's not what I committed to not doing, but I did it anyway. And we'll giggle about that. But that's in a shared recognition that we've all done that. Yeah. We've all made promises of what we're not going to do because we've had the aha moment that it's hurting our, our loved one. Uh, but but it's habit, right? So uh, breaking enabling habits, uh, practice makes habit. It doesn't make perfect. It just makes habit. So. <laughs> and Jean, you mentioned that you have a child who struggles with substance use or misuse. Can you share a little bit about more about that and how that impacted you as a parent and how it impacted your family? Sure, sure. Um, well, it really, it really was maybe about two years ago when one of our daughters was experiencing a lot of anxiety and she sought some help for that um, through some counseling. And um, what happened was she had these unspoken fears we discovered um, that came out in her therapy about her fears of what would happen to her brother um, because of his use. And so her therapist actually gave us a brochure that she brought home to us about the Daybreak Project. Oh, cool. um, yeah, yep. And so for years, what had happened in our family was that my husband and his children before we were married didn't talk about issues that were hard, didn't talk about things that might be messy. Um, you know, my husband is uh, someone who who wanted to parent very responsibly, like so many of us do, and wanted to do things the right way. And so it was hard for him to be able to acknowledge and admit much yet deal with what was happening with his son. Um, so, so really what happened was he started watching his son stopped playing sports in high school, um, watched him drop out of college, watched him move from job to job and watched all of that happen as well as the other siblings in the family, the brothers and sisters watched all that happen, but yet nobody was really talking about it. So what happened is our daughter was just experiencing this cycle of anxiety over and over again because of these fears. Um, so, you know, it's this unspoken, um, kind of like this white elephant in the living room was what was happening in our family. We knew there was this problem. We could see this happening. But as a family, we weren't talking about it at all. Um, since we've come to daybreak, you know, 
we've made lots of changes in that. And we openly now talk about um, what's going on with our son and how it affects not just our daughter, um, but how it affects everybody in the family. And now we look back on those times when, when something got messy and we got close to talking about it, but the phrase we used at that point was, well, how about those Packers? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we look at that now and we say, oh my goodness, you know, how, how did we keep shying away from the issue? Well, we did that because the issue was too hard for us at that point. And we just didn't have any other tools. We didn't have any strategies. We didn't know how to talk openly. We didn't think that that was something that was going to help the problem and that we would actually feel like we could manage things. Uh, what Gina's talking about is what we call the no talk rule. And you could also call it the deadly silence. Uh, and the no talk rule is you don't talk about something because you don't know how it's going to end. And, you, and you're afraid, and, and in most cases, you think the worst. So if we talk about it, son is just going to shut down and leave. Um, or, or some really horrible thing is going to happen. Or we're going to say the wrong thing. And um, we're, we learn in daybreak that you have to break that no-talk rule. And um, uh, the other thing that has been fun to watch with families and genes is no exception. There's other no talk rules about other things too. Um, but learning to start talking about the affected individual with substances, you learn how to have those conversations with each other. And then other things get talked about, which is helpful. It's wonderful. And, um, but, and the, and the reason I call it deadly silence is if you don't talk about it, um, something really, really bad can happen. Right, the situation can get worse, and 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 Sam, you know this because of the work you do. Uh, oftentimes, it's death, right, overdose, and and just really tragic things. And sometimes that's a result of not talking about it. And uh, and that's that's really important to break down that 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 no talk rule in families. Yeah, I especially love the the no talk rule. And the practice makes habit. I mean, one thing that we talk about from a prevention perspective a lot is the importance of parents talking to their kids. And, and we often frame it in terms of talking to them about alcohol and drugs, but really it's ta just talking to your kids, just talking to your kids about everything, having that practice of conversation with your kids. You know, every conversation about something hard doesn't need to be a two hour conversation at the kitchen table, right? It can be five minutes while you're going for a walk with the dog, a few minutes in the car, as you're picking up groceries, if you see something on the TV, just take advantage of those moments to ask questions, check in, see how they're feeling, open the door for them to ask if you, if they have any questions and, and just make a conversation about it. So I love those two points as well, the no talk rule and having kind of that safe word or safe phrase when people are getting a little bit uncomfortable, right? Or just acknowledging that it's uncomfortable um, and kind of lightening the mood, I think is awesome. And then the practice makes habit because it is a practice and you don't have to get it perfect and you're not going to know the outcome 
always when you get started or have all of the answers. And knowing that that's okay for parents, whether they have a child or a spouse or somebody in their life who is struggling with substance use or misuse, or whether they don't. I mean, it's, if you think about all the talks you need to have with kids while they're growing up, right? Like getting used to being uncomfortable is, is probably a good thing to practice. Yes. For many, for many, many different reasons. (laughs) So Jean, as a parent of a child who struggled with substance use, what would your biggest piece of advice to other parents who are going through this or could be going through this in the future be? Um, I, th- I think probably the first one is, is just know that you're not alone. Know that you're not alone. Know that um, you aren't the only one who's going through this, um, that there's many other people, many other families um, that are going through this. And, you know, it takes a lot of courage to be able to reach out and to talk with other people about what's going on in your family. And, you know, knowing that there is a safe place um, like Daybreak with, you know, really gifted and skilled um, people who have been there before, you know, Jamie, who has worked, you know, in a professional capacity with um, people dealing with substances and families, and just knowing that there's other just regular family, it's like yourself there that are dealing with all of this, you you can know that there's a safe place for you to go to be able to, to talk about these things and to get some help. Um, but it does take some courage to step out of your comfort zones and um, to be able to trust that that's there. But, but the advice that I would give is that um, Daybreak does provide that. And uh, with a little bit of courage, reach out and and know that it's there. Um, There's hope. You know, there's hope. These problems that go on in our families, um, the problem of substance use is is not um, as overwhelming. It's not too overwhelming for you to be able to find a place where you can learn some tools and some strategies for um, working things out for your family. And... And, um, you know, one of the biggest benefits for us from Daybreak is that it's allowed us as a family to learn how to better support each other in, in this problem and in this struggle. One of the things that um, we learned is that, you know, we cannot, um, we didn't cause this problem. Um, we can't control this problem and uh, we are not gonna be able to cure it or, or fix this problem. And, and that's, that's been a huge piece of enlightenment for us to be able to let go of the guilt and the shame that we felt for so long that was stopping us from being able to be a part of the solution. I think that guilt and that shame is, is really uh, the thing that, that, that parents especially need to need to get beyond. uh, And that does take courage to do that, um, <clears throat> parents uh, blame themselves for the outcomes of their kids, and uh, they might not talk about that openly. And um, learning to understand the illness of addiction is hugely important. Uh, it helps. It helps with the stigma that this is an illness, 
and that um, parents don't cause diabetes, parents don't cause multiple sclerosis, parents don't cause cancer. Um, that same thinking uh, applies to addiction and substance abuse. And um, it's, it's being embarrassed and thinking that if they had only parented differently, maybe this wouldn't have happened. I don't know. There's terrific studies out there uh, where there are twins in families where one twin, brought up the same way, one twin will go down the road of addiction, the other twin, not a problem at all. And you look at their upbringing and the interactions with the parents and you go, what was different? Hard to identify what was different. Um, addiction is an illness similar to other illnesses that are relapsing and remitting, right? And remission is called recovery and relapse is relapse. And so um, helping folks embrace that notion that they didn't cause, they're not going to control and they're not going to cure is really, really important. And emotionally, it's an attempt also to get them off the hook and start practicing better ways to help that addict or uh, substance abuser uh, find their moment of clarity sooner before it's too late. And uh, so then we talk about interrupting status quo and um, we, we have several phrases. One is what you permit, you promote. Uh, if, if Johnny is supposed to be home by new midnight and he doesn't come home till one o'clock, what are you going to do about that? If Susie's supposed to pay 30 bucks a month towards her cell phone and she chooses not to do that or can't do that in a particular month because she spent it on drugs or alcohol, what are you going to do about that? Um, if, if, if Charlie is, I'm just grabbing names. If Charlie is supposed to mow the lawn each week and the lawn is up to your kneecaps, what are you going to do about that? And it's up to the kneecaps because he doesn't have the motivation because of a side effect of using drugs or alcohol. And so we, we just talk about boundaries, expectations, and then practicing and having a partner in these hard conversations, uh, because it's too darn easy, uh, when you're on your own to uh to get soft to to step back from the boundary that that you both have agreed upon on the front end so we just talk about all those types of strategies and that's so cool because it's i mean i definitely helpful for families with children or or somebody who's struggling right but even just in general with parenting, like the three C's, they didn't cause can't control won't care that is applicable to so many things the boundaries, the practice makes habit, the having a partner, right? You think about parents being on the same page with parenting and not having the good cop, bad cop, or, you know, the go as mom, go as, you know, dad kind of thing. So it, it's so cool to hear that it's being talked about in this context, but that it's applicable to every other area of life and other children in that same family, right? So Jean, you this all kind of came about because your daughter was struggling with anxiety and through addressing that anxiety, you learned that a lot of those fears were about her brother's use and what could happen or what might happen. And just as a family, kind of seizing that opportunity to really look at how you function as a family in a new way and making positive adjustments and seeking resources and help so that not only you can help your daughter, but you can help the family as a whole and really letting your daughter see that 
her fears are not unfounded, right? She's not just pulling them out of thin air. And you all probably have those fears, but nobody was talking about it because you had the no talk rule, right? So finding ways to and strategies to change that as individuals and as a family and have, learning that through something like the Daybreak Project is just, it, it's, it's really cool and it's really powerful. And I'm so happy to be hearing that. One, it helps you and your family, but two, again, that this is just something that exists in our community for others who might be going through a similar situation. Exactly, exactly. And Sam, you just hit the nail on the head. You really did. Because for us as a family, one of the things that we did not expect at all coming into this is how it's affected us, just how we function in general as a family, not just about our son's use, but about everything. And I've been able to see the changes just in the last couple of years when um, anything comes up in our family, we are so much better about being able to openly talk about it and to validate and discuss feelings. And, um, you know, that's at the heart of everything. It is. And it's just allowed us to love one another um, in ways that I, I think we hadn't, we just hadn't done before. So um, we are so, so grateful for that. One of the things that Jean is describing is family systems and the mobile. I, I like the visual of a mobile. When I was in grade school, I went to a Catholic, I guess all grade schools do this. But anyway, I went to grade school and, and we made mobiles and the sun was in the middle and then all the planets and there was a string. And then if, if, if the sun moved, they all moved. Well, in families with uh, substance users and abusers, th that individual is in the middle. And then the family are all the planets, right? And as the sun moves, the whole family moves. So as the consequences and the disasters of somebody's overuse of substances causes all kinds of chaos, the whole family is in chaos and it, and it just kind of moves all over the place. And part of Daybreak is, is helping understand that we, we, we need to stop losing ourselves in our loved one's use and how the connection between other family members is getting lost because we're all focusing on that individual, that son, S-U-N, in the middle. And um, so part of uh, learning how to relate with the rest of the family is to recognize that the family doesn't revolve or doesn't have to revolve around that individual in the middle. And uh, just having conversations with each other about other things is really, really important. And the wonderful message that that sends to the person that's suffering from use and misuse is the status quo is changing. And they are not, they are, I'm not the center of attention anymore. They are starting to share with each other. And what does that say about me? And uh, that starts moving things slowly but surely. So Jean just described how it affects the whole family in many different ways. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, Jean, when you guys started working these strategies, when you started implementing and having those conversations, did it feel awkward at first? And how long did it get or how long did it take to get to a place 
that felt almost practiced. Yes, <clears throat> yes, very much. And and what I would say is that as we practiced that with each other by getting out of our comfort zones, we had the support of Jamie and the other families that were around us um, in doing that. So it's really hard. I think it's much harder to do that when you don't have that support around you. But we expected, like we knew, okay, we need to do things differently. And so as we went about doing that, we expected to be uncomfortable um, because we'd been talking about that before we started it. Um, and the practice part, you know, I think it is, it is difficult. It's uncomfortable at first, but the more that you do it, the more that you do it, it just becomes more ingrained in who you are and how you function in your relationships as a family. Um, and I would say, you know, after maybe six months, uh, we were just practicing those new habits. Um, they just came. You know, it wasn't something we had to think about anymore. Um, we just did it. But also in that process, when we would stumble, which we would, we're human beings. And when we would stumble and go back, we all were able to, to see that and we were all able to hold each other accountable. So we were able to say, oh, wait a minute. You know, we're not going to do this again. Or, oh, wait a minute. Remember when we talked about this, you know, at daybreak? So we were able to bring one another back as well. Good. That's yeah. so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. So for parents out there who maybe think, not my kid, right, who aren't having intentional, frequent, open conversations with their middle or high school age children about alcohol and marijuana or other substances because, you know, they have good kids and they don't need to worry about them, which we hear that a lot. I'm pretty sure that was my parents growing up too, right? Like I've got good kids. I don't need to worry about them. Uh, what would your advice be to them? Well, um, I would say that this happens, substance use happens to many more families than you think it does. Um, you know, and in our family, you know, we, we were a family who, here I was working in the counseling field, um, you know, my husband working in business and um, coming from a family where, you know, things were done responsibly and you want to be a very good contributing part of the community. Um, so we came, you know, we were one of those families that really believed, well, if we did the right things in parenting, this wasn't going to happen in our family. Um, so what we realized is that this does happen to more families than you think. And, and it, um, you know, addiction does not um, look at how you live. It doesn't look at your zip code. It doesn't look at your socioeconomic status. It doesn't look at your race. It doesn't look at uh, your gender. It doesn't look at any of those things. Addiction is addiction. And, um, you know, even kids who are quote, good kids, um, this, this can happen to, and even families who are quote, good families, um, addiction doesn't spare. 
You know, and if you think about it, going back to the illness piece of this, um, every parent I, I know and every parent I want to imagine if their son or daughter got sick with a medical condition, they would do everything they could to get attention for that condition, right? Um, that's addiction is a medical condition and bridging that thinking of medical conditions happen in every single family. Some families, it happens to be addiction. Other families, it happens to be diabetes, multiple sclerosis or cancer, leukemia, all those other types of horrible medical conditions. And I think, um, and there are support groups for cancer families, right? So I think Daybreak is a support group for folks that have loved ones who suffer and can talk about what's going well and what's not going well. Another slogan of ours is each one teach one. What might've worked for Jean and her family could be excellent evidence for another family who is struggling with something and they can pipe in and say, well, this is what we did and it worked. And, oh, we tried something different before, but that didn't work. So we just adjusted, we calibrated, and then we tried different. And so that's an important piece of Daybreak too. It's everybody learning from each other. And there's something different about learning from a real person with a real face and a real story that you can connect with versus the more sterile clinical setting of a clinic office, right? Or reading a blog or watching a video. Like when you have those real people with real faces that you can see in front of you and hear from, there's something different that happens with learning there and how you're able to take that story or that process and see where it applies to your life in a different way. Yeah, exactly. It's like the sun starts to shine. If someone listening to this wants to learn more about the Daybreak Project, where can they do that? We have a website, uh, daybreakproject.com. We meet every fourth Wednesday of the month, and um, we've been doing Zoom uh, during the uh, COVID. We hope soon, maybe in the fall, we'll see. Um, we'll get back to the Levin Community Room on Midway Road. Uh, they've been so generous with us and giving us a nice space. And it's after hours, so that it, it provides that privacy and that confidentiality piece, which is really important. Um, we also have a phone number uh, that uh, if somebody calls, uh, they can leave a message. And then within a couple of hours, unless it's in the middle of the night, within a couple of hours, they'll get a call back from myself or from the other people that facilitate. And that phone number is 920-968-9105. And uh, so they can reach out to us that way. And I think I should give an email address, and that's jamie at daybreakproject.com. And if you send a, a question or want to talk more and you're comfortable doing the email piece, uh, I promise I'll get to you really quick. So J-A-M-I-E. Thank you. Yes, that's right. It's spelled several different ways, but that's the correct way. Okay. And we will have the website, the email and the phone number in the show notes as well. So anyone listening, wherever they're listening to this, will be able to see that in the show notes as well. Perfect. Jean, Jamie, is there anything else you'd like to add today or leave our listeners with? I would say just remember that help is there and you need to have the courage to reach out and take it. 
people might wonder if there's a cost to daybreak and the cost is um, working on your courage. That's the cost, working on your courage. Uh, we don't charge for what we do and uh, everybody is a contributor to, to daybreak and uh, that's the only price you pay. Show up, be part of, and that's it. Well, thank you both again so much for joining us today, sharing about your personal story, Jean, and the Daybreak Project, uh, Jamie. And I look forward to speaking with you both again in the future. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Sam.